settle in and we're going to talk. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to get into this series. Um, Jules, do you want me to talk about the impetus? Yes, please. And then we're going to read the scripture. Okay, great. So the reason why we decided to do this series, we're doing a series called The Faith We Really Sing. And this came about because uh, in the morning before worship, Jules and I were talking about one particular song and whether or not we should switch the words because it had some gendered language in it. And we in this community pay very close attention to how we speak of God and especially to gendered language for God. And so we were talking about, well, can we say he there because it was Jesus and Jesus was male. And so we can say he or is that talking about God as, you know, the triune God, which is not a he. So we should we do something different language wise. And then somebody who was sitting out here said, I would love to hear the two of you take some time and talk about the songs that we sing and why we make some adjustments why we don't sing some of the things we sing, why we should pay attention to the words that we sing. And we said, oh, that actually sounds like fun. And so we decided that we're going to take the next five weeks and we're going to focus each week on a particular characteristic of Jesus that we often sing or, or we, it sounds like we're singing and why that is maybe problematic yeah. and you should know that these topics came from you all yeah. uh these were suggested by a number of you who said oh why don't we talk about jesus like that i want to hear about what you would think we should be talking about if not that or is that good and i just don't understand it yeah, yeah. the two scriptures today that i will share with you the first is john fourteen six. um just a brief scripture. And each one of these weeks, we're going to tie into a scripture where Jesus says, here's what you say I am, and here's how I describe myself. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be in the I am sayings in John. So the I am saying for this morning is from John 14:6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And the second scripture for the morning, which we will revisit every week, is the Christ hymn in Colossians. This is an ancient song that the church has been sharing and singing together for hundreds of years. And it goes this way. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Before we do officially get started, I've been told by James that someone has their lights on in the parking lot. It's a forerunner. Yeah. Gray forerunner. So if you drive that vehicle, you may want to dart out really quick and make sure that your lights are off. Because you don't want to be stuck here. <laughs> we haven't sung Spirit of the Living God yet, <laughs> so there's no snacks yet. 
wouldn't want you to feel stuck. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks this morning for who you are and for how you arrive in our lives. We ask you to help us to do honor to you this morning as we reflect on the ways in which these songs that are in our hearts and in our souls um, serve you. And we ask you to remind us of the ways in which you ask us to ask questions and to say, what is true here? What is good for our community and for my family and for myself and for our world? What do we need to keep? And what do we need to hold lightly? So we ask you to bless this time, bless Andy and myself as we talk together and bless all of the meditations of the hearts of these your people as we reflect together on your word and on your story. And all of God's children said, Amen. So as Jules said, we're, we're going to be looking at the I am statements that we find in John and juxtaposing those with some of the things that we sing about Jesus and the ways that we frame Jesus in the songs that we sing. I wanted to put out some guidelines, though, some kind of disclaimers for all of us in this conversation. We actually hope that this will prompt conversation, that you all will talk about this and that you all will talk to us about this. When we talk about these songs, we hope that you'll come back and talk to us. So here's some things that we want to let you know ahead of time. First of all, we're going to have some fun with some of the songs that people sing and that sometimes even we sing in church. We're actually, sometimes it's going to sound like we're making fun of these songs. However, you need to know that that does not mean that those songs we should banish, we should toss out, they're no good anymore. In fact, some of them, one of them that, we, that we're going to talk about this morning is one of my favorite songs. I struggle with singing it in church, but I still like the song. So this, don't think that because we talk about a particular song or we question it, that that means that song needs to be tossed out Completely, Because we may talk about a song that you love, and we don't want you to have the feeling that you're like, oh, I really like that song, right? So beware of that. Um, also, the, the point is to, is to spark conversation. It's also to kind of bring us, to uh, make us aware of what we're singing, to make us mindful of what we're singing. I think a lot of times we can come in on Sunday morning. I know I'm guilty of this even when I'm standing in front and I'll just be singing these words, but my mind is somewhere else. I know I'm singing with everyone else. I can hear the voices, but I'm not really paying attention to the words that I'm singing, even though I'm singing about the God of the universe, right? Sometimes we do that. And so we want, we want to kind of prompt us to be mindful of the words of the theology that we're singing. Okay, so that's a, another thing to keep in mind. And I would add to that, you know, Andy talked about the theology of this. This is really what we're discussing this morning is what, where is God in all of this? Mm-hmm. To me, uh, songs and singing are a second form of scripture. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's true for you all as well. Um, and just as uh, one of the reasons I think that this conversation is important is that just, be, just like in scripture, the canon of scripture that we recognize, Genesis through Revelation, there are pieces and parts and whole sections where we're like, really? Mm-hmm. What's, what are we supposed to do with that? That's true with our songs and our singing as well sometimes. And so we need to really have, I think, reverence for 
um, what is there to yeah. hold and also understand that we don't always get it right. We Absolutely. don't always get it right. Yeah, and to keep in mind this too, that all of us come to this space with different journeys, different spiritual, theological, faith journeys. So we're all coming from different contexts and different places, even Jules and I. In the course of our conversation on Thursday, talking about some of the songs, uh, we landed in different places. And I would be like, oh my gosh, that song's ridiculous, we should never sing it. And she'd go, well, hold on, actually. I don't think so, and here's why. Because she's coming from a different perspective. I was raised in a very uh, conservative, evangelical faith tradition from a very, very young child. I grew up singing all the songs of the church. Jules did not. Yeah. So we come at it from different places. You all will as well. And that's valuable, and that's good. So our whole goal is to... Is to prompt everyone to think, come, realizing that we all come from different places, and we may land in different places in this conversation. And those different places may include faith traditions, mm-hmm. but they may also include people, right? Yeah. We're going to sing a song this morning that was Chad Leverich's very favorite, and when I hear it, all I do is think about Chad, mm-hmm. and the theology of that song is a little troubling, <laughs> <laughs> and yet I will sing it with a full heart and an open mind and delight. Because it reminds me of a person I miss and love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there's a song, well, you all know, I'll Fly Away. The theology of that song is a little troubling. Oh, everything is going to be I'm better. I'm going to say it's straight up terrible. <laughs> this is one of our disagreement points. Yeah. You know, it's all about escape. It's about escaping the material world and the world that God has given us. Um, and yet my previous church was filled with folks who, the median income was $32,000 for a household. Many of my folks were sleeping on the street or were homeless teenagers. Um, And when they spoke of flying away, they imagined true heaven, a place where there was no, I'm like, come to tears about it, a place where there was really no suffering. Yeah. And when we sing that song here, I think of them Mm -hmm. and the victory that they have in that song. And so, well... And that changed my, that changed right. my take so on it. So this is where we are, right? Like, mm-hmm. we can all hold these in really special ways and ask questions and right. ask questions. Because I, I know what's not great about that song, and yet I still want it and love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna, each week we're going to talk about the way that we sing about Jesus in a particular way. This week we are starting out with songs that have been categorized not just by us, but by many others as Jesus is my boyfriend. Songs where we sing about Jesus, and the way we're singing about Jesus could mean that Jesus is our God, could also mean that Jesus is our friend, right? The, the face you make when you do that is, mm. Yeah. I, Jesus, mm. Yeah, and, and so I want to give a, a few examples of what we're talking about. So if you're back on the slides there, will you pull up the first example slide, Oscar? Can I, Great. Can I interrupt yeah. you real quick? Sure. Which is the example? This is the first one we're going to talk about. Draw me close to you. Oh, great. Yeah, sure. I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. So the words of this song, they say, draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. Because nothing else can take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way to bring me back to you. Next slide, please. Oscar, hit me with that next slide, bud. 
You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. Now, this song could be all about God drawing near. It could also be about how much you really love Jesus and want to go on a date with Jesus, right? Like this, some of these lyrics about, about this kind of intimacy with Jesus can kind of lean over into creepiness, sort of, right? Can be a little problematic. Come on, what do you got? I mean, sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. But, like, what's wrong with Jesus as lover? Like, God is love. Jesus we'll get is there. love. We'll get there. Let me, uh, let me gonna, show a couple bring another more examples. Example. So right. that's the first example. It's a song called Draw Me Close. Amy and I used to sing this and lead worship uh, in, with this song in, in church years and years ago. The next song is the one that Jules was talking about that was one of Chad Leverich's favorites. Will you put that up there? It says, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, never disconnected. No, no. In his arms, I feel protected. There's no place I'd rather be except the arms of Jesus. Now, this is where we start getting into an additional subcategory under Jesus is my boyfriend that I call snuggly Jesus. Where we sing about how we just want to curl up into the, the warm embrace of Jesus, right? And this, is, this can be sort of problematic and lean toward a little bit of creepiness, right? Um, it makes me like a little uncomfortable singing that. However, again, I love this song. I will listen to this song, and I will think of Chad, and I will cry, and I will remember my friend who sang this song beautifully. I have problems with it, and I told him this before he died, so I'm totally clear on that. The next one, just so you don't think that we're just going to go ahead and, and rag on all kinds of modern worship songs, the next one is a song that's probably familiar to many of you. Maybe your favorite old hymn. It's one that I'm really, really familiar with because it's the first Solo I ever sang in church when I was six years old. When I was six years old, I sang this song. Can you put the next one? And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And that's from the old hymn, In the Garden. I love that hymn. But if you think about what you're actually singing about meeting Jesus, in the garden, alone? Um, I start to struggle with that. The other th reason why this song is problematic for me, I'll confess, is because um, every time I get... And I, there's an old family circus cartoon that says, I know God's name. And the mom asks the kid, well, what's God's name? It's Andy. Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. I've gotten that joke so many times, right? There's one more that I didn't put up here. I totally forgot this one. And it's a song by a man called uh, Casting Crowns. Mm. And it talks about... I'm glad you didn't include yeah, it. Yeah, I know. It talks about how um, the fragrance of Jesus, your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. <laughs> this is the God of the universe we're talking about, right? And not, do you see what I'm saying? How some of these lyrics, misinterpreted or not being careful with them, start to talk about an intimacy with Jesus that I'm going to say I, for one, am not comfortable with. And I, I struggle with. And why are you not comfortable with it? Here's why. Because maybe that's about you needing to grow and not about the God of the universe needing to change. 
Duly noted. That could be me. Could also be What's just my... What's the problem? Here's, here's the problem that I have. I have a couple issues with it. First of all, any idea of a romantic Jesus, we do not find anywhere in Scripture. We don't find it anywhere. A singular romantic Jesus, we don't find that. There's no description of it. There's no story of it. We don't read anything of Jesus having a partner of any kind anywhere. So any romantic notion of Jesus or romantic language about Jesus, we have foisted onto Jesus. We have done that as humans. And I'll talk about why that makes sense. It totally makes sense. It's still problematic to talk about Jesus as being a lover. The, also, the other reason why I have a problem with it, and I'll be really frank about this, is I grew up, as I said, in a conservative evangelical tradition. So any notion of sexuality was highly repressed. You don't talk about it. You don't think about it. That's, that's unclean. It's, it's impure. We don't want to be thinking those thoughts. But then we sang this kind of thing about Jesus. And so it, it kind of became, and, and at least in the tradition I grew up with, it was sort of a release to sing about that, especially for young women who were singing these songs, right? This was allowed. So I, I struggle with it because of that. Here's the other reason why I struggle with it. Because when we talk about Jesus as my boyfriend, or when we depict Jesus in pictures or art like this one, this one right here, we always see, most of the time, we get Jesus as super attractive. As just as attractive as cut, built, in shape. Think about the crucifixes you've seen. Right? Surfer Jesus. Surfer Jesus. We usually get that picture of Jesus. That's how Jesus is depicted, especially in, in art, in photographs, in movie depictions. They choose an incredibly handsome person. My problem with that is we don't read that anywhere. We have nothing that tells us that Jesus was a hottie at all, anywhere in our tradition. In fact, if you read in Scripture, the only thing it really talks about in terms of the appearance of Jesus is that it wasn't really much. He wasn't really much to look at at all. There was nothing that was fantastic about the way that Jesus looked. It was unassuming. Right? He was yeah. unspectacular. It's almost as though we don't believe that his way of being in the world and his teachings are enough to really attract us. Mm-hmm. If he's not good looking, we won't listen. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the problem that I have now. I, I would say this. I would say this. I get using romantic language for Jesus. I understand that. Because when we're talking about an experience, a feeling of closeness with the incarnate divine. When we're trying to find a way to express, think about just expressing overwhelming love for anyone or anything. Sometimes you have a love that there is no, there's no words for it. And so poetry, poetic language, and even romantic language can help us to talk about this huge feeling that we're having, right? So I understand why they would use this romantic language. I just still, I still struggle with it. I still struggle with it. I also struggle with the language of, of personal Jesus. Like, boyfriend Jesus naturally leads us to personal Jesus. And for me, I, I wrestle with that idea. 
We talked about this on Thursday. What are you thinking about? Well, I mean, you all have heard me say, I really need a personal Jesus. I, I you know, I, it's very easy for me to see this, like, larger spirit and the power of God in the universe and get kind of abstract. And so the idea of Jesus as a person who I connect to individually, it's really essential for my growth and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I start to struggle a little bit because what seems to happen when I and other people, all all of us take that position, which is important, is that we, we start to, like, turn it. It starts to go a little sour because it becomes, like, my relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. uh, is more important than other people. Or it, it becomes kind of, like, greedy or selfish or... Possessive. Owned. Possessive. Yeah, yeah. That's a good word for it. And mm-hmm. it makes him, like, not this world-changing, transformative, redemptive, like, upside-down kingdom... Yeah. power in the world uh, it, but mine, like my pet oh. right? and so yeah. I lose this larger Trinitarian picture of God that includes this person of Jesus but has all of these other things happening in, and that he talked about all the time right? right? that he connected to constantly and was always pointing toward and um, so if it's personal fulfillment by my like sweet sweet Jesus and he wasn't all that sweet. No, no. Um, you know, we take this and we kind of twist it and, and <laughs> form it into something that feels better to us. And he was kind of hard to be around. And he made people he wasn't snuggly. feel not very snuggly. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sort of like my hedgehog, Paul, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like just spikes everywhere. And I don't know. I mean, part of the problem is... And I think this is the pull, the push pull, is I don't actually know how to have a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Because he's not here mm-hmm. in the way that you all are here, mm-hmm. and I can't. He doesn't walk with me, and he doesn't talk with me, and I don't hear his voice telling me I am his own. Mm. In the way, I would way, love that. that yeah, would be that would really be very great. helpful, right? Uh, yeah. In ministry, especially, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but. So I don't know, and I have to do all of this work in order to make those things that, to be attuned to the places where God is speaking with me or where God is present to me. And, mm-hmm. But it's not as easy as, and he walks with me. And it's so light and easy. And um, Yeah, and in so, my tradition growing up, I was always told that, do you have a, I was asked, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? And I would lie and say, well, sure I do. Having no idea what that looked like or what that yeah. What does it mean? Other than the lyrics of the song, and he walks with me and talks with me, and I kept thinking to myself, the reality is, that's just not true. So, I mean, this draws I don't up, experience Jesus that way. You just yeah. don't yeah. have that, you know, you can't take him to coffee, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it, it makes me wonder with the, Jesus is my boyfriend, this romantic Jesus, this personal Jesus, like, I pushed back against you when you had, like, this visceral response to this. You went... Yuck, right? And I was like, but wait. I think my exact words, I hate Jesus is my boyfriend. Music. You said that. Yes. I, think I, I was trying that. to save you and you didn't let me. I'm no, sorry. I, I'll, be but, real, I'll be real about what I said. But, yeah. the, but there, there has to be something good here, right? Like I just articulated something I need mm-hmm. in the personal relationship. What, what comes to mind for me 
that is really helpful if we're going to talk about Jesus as my boyfriend sort of things, or Jesus is love in this way that we're really trying to attach good about that to. Idea. If there's yeah. anything good about that idea, it's about it's knowing the context. You know, this the, what comes to mind for me is the Psalms. They talk about God as mother mm-hmm. all over the place, and and in the ancient texts, um, Jesus is called you know, mother, friend, spouse, all of these, like, wonderful, connecting, very intimate relationships. And so I think what's helpful about this is a reminder for those of us who don't have intimacy or who struggle with that kind of intimacy with someone, with anyone. Some of us weren't taught those ways of being in the world, right? And we have had to kind of work to understand what it looks like. Mm-hmm. to do that, who don't have a healthy understanding of intimacy, where maybe touch has been violence or disconnection or loneliness, where all of those things, some of those things might be true for us. To have this be a part of our singing life, where it lives in our souls and we can draw on those words all the time, feels to me like a depiction of a, an opportunity to reframe brokenness in my own life. To say, oh, For example, I don't have a healthy relationship with this type of person. But Jesus is that type of relationship for me. And when I'm singing about that, I'm sort of healing myself in the places where my intimacy spaces have been broken. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? Does that help? I get that idea. And I get the idea of how that can be healing. I totally understand that. And I'm not going to discount that at all. But what I will say is that this is still the God of the universe. And this whole arms of Jesus uh, experience, that's not a thing. It's not going to actually happen in my mind. And so I struggle with it. Jesus is not going to snuggle with you. That's not going to happen. But we sing about it as if that is going to happen. Right? Now, I, I would also want to be clear. I, we are not saying, I'm not saying that you cannot have an intimate experience with the right. divine. That's absolutely possible. It's absolutely something that happens and should happen in our faith journeys. The presence of Jesus is important, but it's different than the arms of Jesus wrapped around you. I know that's a metaphor, but even that metaphor is difficult for me because I don't know if that's actually what. It looks for so what it looks like. So I, I yeah, I, I want to I guess figure out can we talk about it differently or or should we? Does well, that make sense? And I think that this is one of the reasons the Colossians text and the John texts are so helpful, mm-hmm. right? To go back to Jesus and say, <laughs> you know, when I encounter, I have a I have a finite mind. Mm-hmm. And I only have so many versions of relationship to draw on in order to understand how I'm supposed to relate to you or to you, however you think about the God you're you're worshiping. And so tell me, Jesus, how you see yourself in relationship to me. And when when Jesus says, "Okay, well, I'm a way Mm -hmm. and I'm a truth Mm -hmm. and I'm a life. And so if you're going to relate to me, you want to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really helpful to me that there's a much bigger thing going on here yeah. than, oh, 
I have a personal romantic all mine Jesus. Right. Jesus is continually pointing to a larger story and a larger picture. Exactly. I am the way, the truth, and the life automatically means Jesus is bigger than your boyfriend. He's more than that. That relationship is much more expansive than a personal thing that you have. A personal romantic thing that we sing about, right? If there's one thing you can't do, it's own God. Right. I want to talk about, for just a second, the intimacy language that we do have about Jesus. We do have language that says that Jesus is the bride, uh, that that Jesus has a bride, right? But the bride of Christ is what? The The church. church. The intimacy that we have with Jesus as the bride of Christ is collective. It's community. The bride of Christ is us together. And to me, that's really exciting. This is why the idea of the universal Christ is is something that, that feels really true and that I connect with. Universal is how Jesus saw himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm much bigger than this personal thing. I'm much bigger than this person you're seeing in front of you. There's more to it than that. Even in in all the ways that Jesus talked about intimacy, about a close relationship, it was in the collective, relating to the church as a whole. Even in Jesus' conversations with people, intimate, personal conversations, he returned to universal ideas. When he's talking to the woman at the well, when he's talking to Nicodemus, He's talking and connecting with bigger, not, not just me and you in this relationship we have sitting right here. I represent and reflect and am the embodiment of something much, much bigger. That certainly you are welcomed into, absolutely, and you are a part of. But let's be clear that there's something way beyond this personal relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it's really helpful to me because when... I may share this with some people where I'm like, I just don't know if I'm doing this whole Jesus thing right. Uh, Like, am I in a deep enough relationship with Jesus? And if not, I'm not sure what else to do to make it so, right? Like, we have this ongoing spiritual growth conversation internally and externally about, like, where where to? Where now? And if this is so, Mm -hmm. then the answer is, Yes. Contemplation, prayer, study, all of those things that happen internally. And you want to really deepen your relationship with God? Yeah. Be in deep and intimate relationship with your people Mm. and with community. Mm -hmm. That if you really want to feel that connection, then it's going to take intimacy with the people who share that commitment to being in relationship to God together. Absolutely. That's, that's really important and helpful because that is a material, concrete, present, incarnated way to meet Jesus in, the, in some of the ways that we sing about, mm-hmm. right? That's when we're talking about this, we're actually in many ways talking about the incarnation of God in each other. Absolutely. That was good. That's, oh, thank you. That's really good. Thank okay. you so much. So the question we've taken to asking, so what's the good news? What's the good news in this? What's the good news... The good news is that Jesus isn't your boyfriend. That's the good news. Jesus is not your boyfriend. Jesus is something bigger, more expansive. Something that's fully inclusive, but also larger than any personal relationship can hold. One other note. 
that we, we, we had, we didn't say this, but I'm going to say this anyway, to kind of indicate the difference between a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with a romantic partner. If your romantic partner in your life ever comes to you and says, hey, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You should probably try to exit that room pretty quickly and call your pastor and talk about it, right? Because that's not the thing that a romantic partner says. That would be scary. That's what cult leaders say, right? And this is not what Jesus was expressing. That's not what Jesus was expressing. Jesus is saying there's something bigger here that you are a part of. And that's the good news. It's why when we come to the table every week, and we're going to end on this. When we come to the table, coming to the table is an individual experience. When you think about the way that we do it, each one of you walks forward forward yourself. We look you in the eye. But what do we say, Jules? We say this is the body of Christ given for you. And who do we say it to? Every Every single single person. person. Everyone hears that word because all of us are included in the reality that this is the so body for you. This is the it cup is, for it you. It is truly for you. Yeah. And you and you and you and the person who was in line in front of you and the person who was in line behind you. It's for all of you, but it's also for just you, mm-hmm. which is one of the wonderful ways we do math in Christianity where there's somehow more than 100%. It's yeah. always so. Yeah. 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 Do we have anything else on that? You don't want to put them in the friend zone with Jesus. Oh. (laughs) Okay, we can do this. (laughs) I was giving Andy a hard time. We're going to take a risk and we're going to do this. And I'm going to say this. Here's what we would tell you. We want to help you this morning to break up with your boyfriend, Jesus. This is what I would tell you. That Jesus might say to you. um, Or that I will tell you. As your relationship, your boyfriend relationship ends with Jesus. Um, It's not him. It's you. (laughs) He's just not that into you that way. That way, yeah. And he hopes that you can be really, really good friends. (laughs) He's not interested in being your boyfriend. All right, let's pray. That was really personal. All right. God, we thank you for this conversation. We thank you that we can have some fun with this conversation. But at the same time... We ask that you expand our understanding, our understanding of who you are and what it means to have an intimate relationship with the divine. Help us not to oversimplify it in what we sing and what we say, and help us not to overcomplicate it either. Help us to rest assured that we individually are loved deeply by you. And remind us that that love extends to your bride, the church, that we are deeply connected to. Deepen our relationships with one another, O God. Help us to grow closer in our love, not just for you, but for one another, so that we can experience intimacy with you through one another, O God. That is our prayer. Help us continue to think deeply and clearly about the words that we sing and help them to draw us closer to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.